this for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for truth. God, I'm grateful for your holy word, your word that speaks truth, your word that speaks vibrantly, your word, O God, that speaks hope, O Lord Jesus, in hopelessness. It speaks, O God, strength, and it speaks, O God, release, and it speaks uh, peace in the midst of depression, God. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would lead us and direct us. And we pray for uh, the Baxter family, the Garlington and Rosine family. We pray, O oh God, for your hand, O oh God, to be upon so many others, Jesus, that ha- have been dealing with some sickness and affliction, Jesus. We, we pray that your spirit would reign, would reign once again, Lord, in, in La Crosse County, Lord Jesus. We pray for an outpouring of your spirit. We pray for your power, God. We pray for your anointing, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, that your spirit, O God, and your word, Lord Jesus, would would blend in a beautiful way, O God, and bring revival to our area. We give you the glory, Jesus, and we give you the praise. And we look forward, O God, to what your word will speak to us tonight, Lord, the hope and the power and the promise that it gives. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. Isn't God good? He's a good God. So uh, we want to uh, turn to Isaiah 41. And you you can uh, stand if you like or you can be seated. We're just going to read. Uh, basically, we're going to read the first 10 verses. Um, and uh, and then we'll, um, we'll go from there. It says, Keep silence before me, O islands. <clears throat> And let the people renew their strength. Kind of reminds you of um, Isaiah chapter 40, the last verse, doesn't it? Uh, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, And let them come near, and let them, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings? He gave them as the dust to his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. The isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid drew near and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smootheth with the hammer him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear not thou, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And we'll stop there, and maybe we'll move, move, move on from there a little while later, but um, let's just thank the Lord for His Word right now. You're so wonderful, Jesus. You're so gracious. You're so holy. And I'm so excited, God, about what Your Word will speak to us tonight, Jesus. And I ask You to let Your hand, O oh God, rest upon us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, for Your powerful Word. Thank You, Lord, for Your glorious Word. Thank You, Lord, for Your wonderful presence. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Now, this is uh, this, this is kind of a, a, a chapter where, where where many people are like, I, I don't understand anything that's being spoken here. I don't have any idea what's going on. So um, let's just kind of let's just kind of 
unpack it a little bit. The Lord is, first of all, He's speaking to some islands. He's saying, quiet. And let the people renew their strength. Now, we, we kind of understand a little bit from last chapter that, uh, that it was the, the Lord was bringing out some promises and things. And now he's speaking to some islands. He's saying, I want you to quiet down and let the people renew their strength. Who needed to renew their strength and why did they need to renew their strength? The people of Israel, yeah, or, or or Judah, more 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 properly, but yes, the the, the they're, they're still Israelites, right? Um, the um, that because they'd been exiled, but uh, but anyway, God God is saying, I, I I want you to know because in last in in last chapter, and uh, they they were they were stri- told to start getting rid of some idols, and now they're. Uh, now it looks like these islands. Now, now Judah was not an island, was it? No island. No, no, no island people. The Judah Judeans were not island people at all. There's nothing there. But, but there, there's some islands here that the Lord is talking about, and some people are are, are trying to figure out: Is He talking about islands like uh, small groups of people that were by themselves, and they were an island unto themselves? Is He talking about a, a body, a geographical body off the coastline, out into water? somewhere uh, and and so uh, but but a lot of other uh, tr- translations if you will um uh, they they talk about the coastline they talk about um the those that are in the coastline it talks about uh, different things like that so so i i tend to believe that it is speaking um about some uh about some areas geographical bodies that are off the uh, out in the water so um, but why why would these islands need to keep silence because there were inhabitants on these islands that were causing some conflict with the lord's people there's always the influence of the idol there's always idolatrous influence with the Lord's people. Throughout the Bible, you see it. Throughout our day, you see it. Where somehow or another, God's people, if you're a child of God, you are going to be offered an idol several times throughout your life. You're always going to be baited with something that is uh, attractive enough to discourage you away from God and, and maybe encourage you into an alternative route or an alternative uh, way of worship. Uh, it's something that's going to lead you astray. You're always going to have it offered in front of you it's it's kind of the old um, carrot and the stick type of deal it's always going to be offered in front of you what's the number one thing that you can think of that is offered to the child of god in our day to distract you what would be the number one thing that you can think of uh media electronics what 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 did you say brother aaron Netflix, okay, I wasn't sure what you said. Um, wow, seems like entertainment kind of in, in the digital world just kind of seems to be number one, huh? Now, with the digital, what comes with it? Internet, you said entertainment. That, that's it right there. Uh, and supposed and pseudo-anonymity, right? Um, but uh, but inter- entertainment entertainment is by far the number one distraction. What does entertainment distract you from? Worship. Now that's a good point. You brought up the you brought up my favorite point. <clears throat> Isn't worship a form of entertainment? 
You, you, you just, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Lucifer thought that worship was powerful entertainment, didn't he? Because it is. Worship is probably the most powerful entertainment we're ever going to experience. But we have to have the right object of worship. What makes entertainment the devil is the wrong object. We are, we are finding an object that's otherwise or other than God. And, and Lucifer, he thought entertainment was so, so powerful and powerful enough that he said, worship me. I will ascend. I will be like the most high God. Worship me. He understood that this entertainment business, and I, I, I say that tongue in cheek, he understood that this entertainment business is a very powerful business. What is, the, what is the form of entertainment that he was involved in? Music. He was involved in music. And, and, and uh, I, I, don't know, um, I don't know where people really got skewed in, in their styles of, uh, of music. Uh, every generation kind of creates their own style, you know, and it's kind of it's it's just every generation creates their own style. I don't think the style of music is the is the bad thing. I think the focus is probably the worse thing. There are some styles that 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 obviously rub me wrong and 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 rub the 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 Holy Ghost wrong because it's the it it's the, the the whole spirit of that. I don't know if it's the actual style, but it's the spirit that goes along with that style that um, that causes problems. You know, when when Elvis Presley was a kid, everybody, uh, all the elders said it was it was devil music, and everybody was going to hell for it. Today, that's my my goodness, that's like cotton candy. That's that's just innocent stuff, isn't it? People, people want to, people want to, you know, listen to Elvis Presley just, just for, uh, just for something soft and soothing. Now they, 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 nobody today thinks Elvis Presley had wicked music because it's gotten so crazy. And so every generation you see, every generation goes a little bit. Uh, they, they push the envelope just a little bit. I, I remember ju- just in uh, different uh, sports and stuff when I was a kid, it, it was, you know, some some things, you know, Dukes of Hazard was a pretty, that was a scary, scary business, you know, watching that, that car go up in the air and crash and, and nothing ever happened to it, you know, and, but, um, but, but, but now, I mean, uh, I, I, I watch these YouTube videos, these guys on motorcycles, they go up in the air and they flip the thing around and they jump, they fly off of it and then they grab it in midair and they, and they end up landing on it and stuff. Are you out of your mind? Every generation has to go just a little further and a little faster. But entertainment, entertainment has been in a race for the soul of humanity since the beginning of time. It started with an angel that just wanted to be the focus of the worship. And it still hasn't changed much today except for there's a whole lot more of those people wanting to be the focus of worship. So entertainment is... Is a, is a major, major thing. It's a major distraction. It's a huge distraction. And that distraction has become an idol. And it dangles in front of the child of God. What's another distraction from our walk with God that, uh, that, can, that, that can keep us from getting closer to God? Work. Work. 
which in turn has a result of what? Making us tired. Making us tired. It, we, most people, they work just for their reward, but they don't even think of the reward. They think of millions that they deserve, right? People don't work today just to, ju- just to um, sustain themselves. People work today for the benefits of all the money they're going to get. It used to be that, that uh, a, a family farm was 40 cows if you were a dairy farmer and, and, and 40 acres. And uh, a, a family you could raise a family on that and all your needs were met and you had uh, you had a, a wonderful life you uh, you didn't you, you didn't have a lot of stuff because stuff wasn't important but you had you had your plot and you had your your focus uh, was your family and your focus was your farm and your focus was, was was feeding them and giving them a wonderful life and your your your, your focus was was trying to trying to keep the unit together and and build um build another generation right and so now it's like if you got 40 acres my goodness that's that, that that's nothing for a farm you can't farm 40 acres that's that's called a hobby farm you can't raise a family on that that's just that's just out, um, outrageous now part of that is because of machinery costs and everything that it takes to uh, to to make a farm go i understand everything costs a lot more but but they've they've gotten out of the family farm environment and they decided to go into the farming business which means we have to have millions or we have nothing now, am I against progress? No, I'm not against progress. I'm just trying to say that our goals for caring for um, uh, our, our family and, and raising our children, our goals have changed quite a bit. Now it's, I need to have millions or I have nothing because we're always comparing ourselves among ourselves. Instead of just taking care of things and just living a great life and, and having a, a wonderful uh, wonderful family to to be around, it's like, nope, I've got to have more than, than the Smiths. I have to have more than the Jones. I have to have more than, uh, than, than everybody else. And, and so, so yes, um, work becomes a distraction because it's not about uh, meeting your needs anymore. It's about exceeding everyone's expectations. So we will wear ourselves out trying to make as much as we can so we can have as much as we can so we can look better compared to the next guy over. And we wonder why stress levels are up. What's another distraction? <laughs> children could be a, a bit of a distraction but i think if we i think i think we want to keep them keep keep them in the church amen <laughs> but there you know uh, you, you guys brought a couple of big ones around and um music was one that that i wanted to really kind of talk about and we already did but that's uh that that's a huge issue especially in the church it's a huge issue Uh, churches want to always find the music that's going to draw the crowd instead of worship the lord it goes from it goes from worship to performance and then as soon as it's about performance then it's about the person and once it, when it becomes about the person and the performance rather than the worship to the Almighty, it goes down a different path altogether. And then we consider ourselves the artist when the truth is we are the art. There's already an artist called Jesus Christ. 
We are the art. We are not the potter's wheel. We are the clay that sets on the potter's wheel. We are formed by the hand of the artist. We are not the artist ourselves. When we start to uh, uh, embrace an artist mentality, we have gotten off of the rails and started making it about us instead of about him. He holds the brush. We are the canvas that he paints the picture on. And we are the art. He is the one who created us. He is the one who formed us. He is the one who fashioned us. He is the one who sharpens us. He is the one who molds us. Just in case you're not aware, those are all biblical terms of what he does to us. But when we have idols, we become the molder, the creator, the fashioner, the carpenter, the smith. We become what is spoken of in verse 7, and we'll get into that as we go. And we create idols. We create idols that we worship. We create idols that, that we, uh, of ourselves that we expect others to worship. And suddenly we are engaged in this power play in the spirit. Do I submit to God or does God submit to me? Do I belong to the Lord or does the Lord belong to me? Am I his or is he mine? And some, I know, I know. A lot of times we we sing about that that kind of stuff, and if we sing it with the right spirit and the right attitude, we we recognize it. But if we take ourselves off of His wheel, then we become the fashioners of ourselves. So He says, "Islands, inhabitants, I want you to stay silent." And I want my people to renew their strength. What is the strength that he's speaking of? What is our strength? What is our strength? There's something very specific in the scripture that speaks of that is our strength. What is it? The joy of the Lord is my strength strength right the joy of the lord is my strength how do we get the joy of the lord is it because god's doing good stuff for everybody or is it because i'm worshiping him focused on him i'm making him god and not myself and therefore i can have joy because i recognize when he's god everything comes together as he wants it but when i start making it about me then my joy is depleted and i have no strength when you have no joy you have no strength we're not talking about muscles and cells and sinew and all that stuff we're talking about strength what really holds a person together and the lord said my people need to renew their strength so islands distractions idols keep silent and let my people renew their strength let them come near let them speak let us come near together to judgment you see, one, one thing about distractions, one thing about distractions is <clears throat> they will keep you from getting near to God. They'll steal your time, they'll steal your effort, they'll steal your focus, and they'll keep you from getting near to God. Remember the old days when when there would be revivals that would happen for two weeks at a time every single night. 
people would be going to church every night. They'd go to work. They'd come home from work. They'd eat a quick bite, and they'd go to church, and they'd worship God, and they would be there every single night. And it doesn't seem like their life uh, fell apart. It seems like it, it just seems like everything just kind of built and and grew, and and it didn't seem like they were you know like like they had fallen apart, and 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 so they but they 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 always came together because because they they wanted to be in church and that would go for two three weeks at a time and then they and then they would pause for a little while and sometimes they 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 had revivals that be were what we would call today organic they would just pop up people would some a group would just start praying and, and um, they would just have this burden and they'd start praying and as they prayed the spirit would begin to draw people and then they'd start having services and God would start pouring out his spirit and doing mighty things and and people would be drawn in and drawn in and drawn in they call that organic revival today because it's not planned it's not planned it's not programmed it's not it's not all budgeted out it's just organic it's just it just happened because somebody started praying remember anybody remember those days Remember, remember when all that happened? That's how that's how the whole that's how the whole revival swept across America. That's how America uh, started uh, getting be, being filled with the Holy Ghost is because because people became hungry and they they would just travel and they'd go someplace and 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 um, and, and a lot of people would be like, well, how in the world could they take all the time to do that? Because they weren't as overwhelmed like we are today with having to take care of a hundred thousand other things. They weren't enslaved to a car payment. They weren't enslaved to a house payment. They weren't enslaved to a, a, a job that only gave them a week or two's vacation a year. They weren't enslaved to everything. They weren't, they, they weren't having to, to work to pay the man to take care of everything so they could have more. They they had a house, but it was it was you know it was um, uh, humble and and uh, generally paid for and and they had lands that were generally paid for and and they they had crops that they could sell and they could um, pay their taxes and things like that. They didn't have all the fancy things that we have, but and, and but they also didn't have all the bills that we have, and they had the freedom to let God speak to them and to come near to the Lord. Wow, is anybody just kind of overwhelmed right now? Thinking about all this stuff that takes your time and your focus and your energy and your money. If we just had a mindset like they used to have where God would be their strength and they could come near. People say, how come all these other nations have such revival? They'll, they'll, they'll have revival for days and weeks and months and even years. They'll have, they'll have thousands get the Holy Ghost, just a massive revival. It's because they're not cluttered with everything that we're cluttered with. They're not distracted by what we're distracted by. They're not out of focus like we're out of focus. They're not paying attention to the islands, dangling the idols, like we buy that next little trinket. We have to have that idol. We have to have that. The Lord's saying, Islands, Keep silence before me and let my people, let my people renew their strength. Verse 2 is kind of a, um, I don't know, a, a controversial verse, if you will, to many people. 
Um, it says, Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings? A lot of, a lot of different people think that this was Abraham. Um, and they think, well, that, that was Abraham, obviously. He's from the east. But uh, uh, because, because we want to we want to point to a person that we call righteous, right? We always want to point to a person that we recognize as he's the righteous one. But God calls things righteous that we wouldn't call righteous. But uh, when you when you start looking at the the righteous man from the east, keep keep in mind keep in mind that it may not be that the Lord is talking about Abraham. Since the the topic of this chapter is uh, about idols and and getting rid of idols and crushing idols and and letting uh, letting people get re- their their relationship with the Lord back in order, we automatically go to Abraham because he was called out of um, the idol country, right? Um, the the land of Chaldea or what is known today as Iraq, um, Abraham came out of that. And, um, and right around the, the Babylonian area, which, which became the Babylonian area. Uh, so he, he was called out of that. And, and so we automatically say, oh, yes, this was definitely Abraham because he was the one that came out of there. But, um, but, but there are, there are, there's some, I guess, How do you want to say it? Um, thoughts that yes, this could definitely be um, Abraham, but um, but a person that uh, that a lot of people disregard because he was a king of a uh, a heathen area um, is is cyrus a lot of people don't they disregard cyrus because he was a king um of a, of a heathen area he was uh, with the medes and the persians and and so they disregard him but yet if you if you follow through isaiah 44 45 and 46 then it seems to be pointing though those areas they they um, mention Cyrus by name, those areas. But he's not mentioned by name here in chapter 41. But Isaiah 44, 28 says that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built into the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. Cyrus was known as the Lord's shepherd, rebuilding Jerusalem. Now, we we know that Cyrus didn't probably lay one brick himself, but he allowed the Jews who were in exile, who were enslaved in Babylon, when he conquered Babylon, he allowed those Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild. And the Lord called him righteous for it. But, in Isaiah 45, this is something that I find kind of amazing in, in verses 1 through 4. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. You ever considered Cyrus the anointed? Not too many of us ever considered Cyrus the anointed. But he says, Who, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates and the gates that, uh, that, that shall not be shut. 
I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut and sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and for Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee. Thou hast not, though thou hast not known me. Well, that's Cyrus. The Lord's using him, and he says, I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. You don't even know who I am, Cyrus, and I'm using you. In fact, I've anointed you, and you don't even know me. See, righteous, righteous has uh, an earthly definition or an earthly connotation, I should say, and a heavenly connotation. Righteous doesn't always belong to the saint. Righteous can also belong to the ain't. Cyrus had he he had a righteous heart in the fact that he despised Babylon and everything that Babylon was doing and he wanted to let the captives free. He didn't want the Jews to be enslaved any longer. So in that fact God called him righteous. He wants to do some righteous deeds. Although he doesn't worship me, he wants to do some righteous deeds. In Isaiah 45, uh, 13, the, the Lord says, I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives. Not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. He's talking about Cyrus. God's talking about Cyrus. Cyrus, the, the king that we don't see ever bowing before the great Jehovah. So the, the, in, in Isaiah 46, he calls him the ravenous bird from the east. The man that executes my commandments from a far country. So the entire description here is, is one that, that applies to Cyrus. We could, we could easily make an argument that Abraham fits the slot, but Cyrus fits the context. So I, I, I'd rather go with the the. Cyrus, the one that, that fits the context, and, and I've, got, I've got a whole bunch of notes uh, about, uh, uh, it, it's a history lesson that is just amazing that I, I read through and I'm like, wow, how did Cyrus ever get kind of involved here and there? But and I don't want to take the time to go through it, but um, there, there's some amazing things. It, you, should, you should read what Josephus and... Um, and uh, another um, uh, Xenophon is his name, uh, another uh, historical uh, writer, historian. You should read what these guys say about Cyrus and where he came from and, and, and how God actually uses him. Uh, it's just it's just amazing. We we know about the Medes and the Persians and how they conquered uh, Babylon and all that. We we understand that. We we read about Cyrus and in in a few other books in the Bible and stuff. So we we kind of have a little bit. But but these guys give a lot more background and they and they talk about. Um, uh, how how he's uh, he he's related to Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes um, uh, Hasuerus, excuse me, Hasuerus is actually um, 
related to him. And, and then he talks about Darius. Darius was his uncle. And uh, yes, the Darius from Daniel chapter five, he was he, he was Cyrus's uncle and and, and how uh, Darius had, had died and, and Cyrus then becomes the king of both the Medes and the Persians. And and, and he, he's given the credit of, of conquering Babylon and and all of this stuff. And, and, and then we see we see Cyrus letting the Jews go back to Jerusalem. We see Cyrus doing that. And God calls him righteous for it. In fact, God calls him anointed to do it. I've even anointed you to do so, though you haven't even known me. And so it's it's kind of amazing. Then you get some Greek writers and different ones that 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 deal with a lot of this, and it's it's very very interesting. It's it's something to. But 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 he 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 talks about how this guy pursued them. He passed safely, even by the way that gone had not gone with his feet, and had wrought who who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning. Then he says. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. He said, he said, I am the one who brought Cyrus into being. I'm the one who brought him into doing what he's supposed to do. I am the one that allowed this to happen. Babylon, one of the most idolatrous nations ever, still the, the the Babylonian spirit is still an idolatrous spirit in our world, uh, and and so Babylon, this massive idolatrous spirit and this massive idolatrous mindset and this massive idolatrous nation, and Cyrus conquers it and he allows the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple and rebuild the city and and worship is reestablished and and the people are back home again and and the lord he, he's telling the isles he's in the islands he says he says, i want you just to calm down i want you to be silent and let my people find their strength when we're building jerusalem we're building worship when we're building the temple we're building worship It's hard to do something for God without drawing close to God. But in verse 5, the isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped everyone, his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. And here in verse 7, in verse 7, they decide to unite their efforts to build idols against God and they even nailed them down so that God couldn't knock them over. In verse 7, the Lord said, the isles heard and they feared And their fear, instead of their fear drawing them closer to God, God always offers a way of repentance. He always offers a road of repentance. He always offers a a, a path back to Him. God always offers it. And so when He told them, hey, I need you to stay quiet so that my people can can find their strength and and their joy and, and come back to Me, instead of saying, we need to just get rid of our idols and come to God, instead they united against God Let's read verse 7 from, oh, uh, let's read it from the contemporary English version. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. Worshippers of idols comfort each other, saying, Don't worry. Woodcarvers, goldsmiths, and other workers encourage one another and say, We've done a great job. Then they nail the idol down so it won't fall over. The 
the easy read version. Verse 6, workers help each other. They encourage each other to be strong. Be strong in what? One worker cuts wood to make it a statue. A statue. He encourages the man who works with gold. Another worker uses a hammer and makes the metal smooth. Then he encourages the man at the anvil. This last worker says, This work is good. The metal will not come off. Then he nails the statue to a base so that it will not fall over and it never moves. Read it in the English Standard. Verse 6, Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, Be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good, and they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. And what they are doing, church, is they are building idols. They are trying to attempt to build an idol that is stronger than God. They're trying to. They're attempting to build an idol for for their people to worship. They're attempting to build an idol, much like the Tower of Babel, so that they have a place to escape when God starts speaking to them. They can all come together, and they they think that there's strong there. There's th- they think there's strength there. They think there's truth there. They think there's something wonderful there. They don't realize that what they're doing is neglecting, neglecting the God that offered them a way of peace and offered them a way of worship that was true and offered them peace and offered them strength and offered them salvation. They didn't want it. They felt threatened in their self-righteousness or their self-centeredness or their self-whatever-you-want-to-call-it. They felt threatened in their individuality. They felt threatened in their, in their independence from God. And, they, and the funny thing is, although they thought themselves independent of God, the first thing they did was try to make an idol. that they could worship. Humanity is borderline stupid. We think we are doing it our way and for ourselves. We think that we're doing it with with ourselves in mind and we think that we're building everything for ourselves only to find that we are slaves to idols we are borderline stupid i'm my own man but i'm a slave to an idol I've got my own thing going, but I'm a slave to an idol. This is mine, but I'm enslaved to an idol. Instead of saying, what I have is from the Lord, I'll take it. I'll do the best I can to manage it and I'm going to worship God and I will be His servant. Here's the thing. here's Here's the thing. We will serve something. We either serve God or we serve an idol, but we serve something. 
in verse 8, the whole thing switches gears. The whole thing changes direction. There's, 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 a, there's a pause between verse 7 and verse 8. There's that Selah moment, if you will. There's that, there's, there's that I've, got, I've got to push in the clutch and I've got to switch gears. I've got to take this thing to a different level. I've got to get this thing uh, under, under control. I've got to get some smarts here. I've got to get some wisdom. I've got to get a little understanding. Verse 8, the Lord says, But thou, Israel, art my servant. You're not the servant of those idols. You're my servant whom I have chosen. The seed of Abraham, my friend. In other words, you are not to serve the idols. You are not to fall prey to that. You are not to get distracted by that. You're my servant. I chose you. And he calls us a servant. A servant, by the way, does not override their master. The servant performs the master's request, not the master performing the servant's request. The servant generally lives under the roof provided by the master, not the master under the roof provided by the servant. The servant, if you want to go a little further, generally wears what the master tells them to wear, not the master wearing what the servant tells him to wear. The servant, in all appearances and attitudes, comes under the submission of the master. When the servant goes to prayer, when the servant goes to the master, the servant is requesting the master's direction, not the servant telling the master what direction he ought to go. There's a lot of business in Christianity of the saint of God telling God what to do and telling God what I'm going to do instead of requiring the direction from the master. People today would rather tell the master what he needs to do instead of asking the master what we ought to do. The Lord says, Israel, you're my servant. I'm not your servant. I'm not your idol. I haven't been designed and fashioned by your hands. You are designed and fashioned by my hands. I am the artist. You are the art. And when people look at the art, they ought to be discussing the artist. Verse 9, he says, Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. But then he says in verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. 
You ever have moments when you're just not too sure if God's with you or not? You ever have moments when you're just wondering, does God even hear when I cry out? He says two things. He says, don't fear and don't be dismayed. Don't fear because he's with you and don't be dismayed because he is God. Hmm. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess that means that it's up to him what he's going to do, not me. He says, I'll strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you. And then he says, with the right hand of my righteousness. This is is really what the message is. You can read on down through the rest of the chapter. Uh, The rest of the chapter is going to deal with, uh, you know, a little bit more of of the promises and this and that and the other and then it's going to he's going to close the chapter with killing and crushing idols and and how how idols don't hear idols don't speak idols can't uh can't do anything for you and uh what what the people uh are are trying to do by dangling a distraction in front of you are wasting their time because that idol can't do anything for you uh, he goes on and he talks about that. But verse, ver, verse 10, ver, verse 10 is the message, I believe, for the church today. Today. It's a message definitely for them then, but I think it's a message for the church today. Not just an individual. Sometimes we read these verses and it's like, that's just what I needed. I needed God to speak to me. And we don't care whether it applies to anybody else or not because it applies to me and forgetting. Everybody else, praise God, glory, hallelujah. I'm glad they can, but this is my verse. But I believe this is for the entire church. Don't be afraid. God's with us. And don't be dismayed because He is our God. Our God is not made from idols. Our God is not made from wood. Our God is not fashioned from gold. Our God is not made from silver. Our God is not made from a blade of grass. Our God is not made from a a bale of hay. Our God is not made from a cow, from a giraffe, from a frog, or from a tadpole. Our God is alive he's not formed and fashioned after our hands we are formed and fashioned after his he's not created in our image we have been created in his he's not designed by our mindset by our imagination we are designed by his imagination. He said, For I am thy God. Then he gives a, a present and future promise I will strengthen thee and help thee. I will. This is the will of God. Now, now, a lot of times we read about the I will this, and I will do that, and I will do that. But we, we have to recognize that that word will is not just a cute verb. It's the will of God for our lives. It's the will of God for us. I will strengthen thee. I will. It's, it's a determination. It's his will to do so. 
It's his will to strengthen us. It's not his will to harm us. It's not his will to instill fear in us. It's not his will to uh, disarm our faith. It's his will to strengthen us. And it's also his will to help us. And it's his will to uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. You know what that means for the church of the 20th century, 21st century? What that means for the church of the 21st century is we've got an awful lot of promises to yet live. We shouldn't be down. We shouldn't be out. We shouldn't be, we, we shouldn't be incensed like verse 11 says, Behold, all they that were incensed against thee, talking about the idols and talking about the idolaters and, and all that, they're incensed against you. Uh, he said, They shall be ashamed and confounded. All those that are incensed against your worship, all those that are incensed against your commitment, all those that are incensed against your, your lifestyle, all those that are incensed against your, your way of of loving God, they shall be ashamed and confounded. And he says, and they shall be as nothing. We've got an awful lot of promises to live yet. We have a lot of promises to live yet. So this is what really where, where I want to, I want to stop because we'll never go any further. Um, I want to stop with this. We must, we must, we must, we must be praying verse 10. Praying fear out, praying dismay out, praying the will of God to strengthen us, to help us, and to uphold us. This is really what we need to be praying because if fear ever gets in it's because an idol has been dangled in front of us and we've been distracted by the shiny little idol and fear is the result of that if dismayal gets in it's because we have been distracted by the voices of the those that are incensed against us. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I will. His will is to strengthen, to help, and to uphold. And that's what I believe we, not, we need to be praying I'd like to close with that tonight. Is every one of us just standing together and praying? Verse 10. You, you can pray it word for word if you want. It's scripture, so it's going to be effective. Or you can pray the points. Don't fear. God's with us. Don't be dismayed. He's God. He's our God. He will strengthen. He will help. He will uphold. Let's go to the Lord. Father, right now, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I want to give you all praise and adoration because your word is so powerful. Your word is so wonderful. Your word is so glorious. Your word, oh God, is forever settled in heaven. You had these words penned for us, I believe, for, for all the generations prior to us, God, but also for us and everyone coming after us, Lord Jesus. It's the word of God. It, it, it's forever settled. It's forever relevant, oh God. 
God. It, it, it is not uh, 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 captured by time, Lord Jesus, but is timeless. Father, you told us to not be afraid, O oh God, because you're with us. And Lord Jesus, I know that you're the great I am, and I know that you're with us. I feel your presence, O oh God, when I call on your name, Jesus. I feel your presence, O oh Lord God, when I read your word, Lord Jesus. I, I know that you are with us, God. I, I understand that, Lord Jesus. And because you are with us, Lord, we do not need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid by the enemy by night or the arrow that flieth by day. Lord Jesus, we don't need to be afraid, O oh God, of any evil voice, any, any voice that's incensed against us. This is the church of the living God. Hallelujah. And you are with us. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, you've told us to not be dismayed, Lord Jesus. You told us to not be dismayed. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that, oh, God. And you told us the reason, for the very reason for us not to be dismayed, God. You said, because you are our God. We don't look to an idol of wood. We don't look to an idol of stone. We don't look to an idol of gold. We don't look to an idol of silver. We don't look to any other idol, O oh God, but we look to you, Lord Jesus. We can, we can stand, O oh God, without being dismayed because you are our God. Hallelujah. You are our God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're alive. You're well. You're breathing. You exist. You, you hear us. You, you speak to us, God. Hallelujah. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah that we do not need to be dismayed. Oh, hallelujah. And Father, we find your will. We find your will for us in this verse, God. We find you, your will to strengthen us, your will to help us, and your will to uphold us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these great, wonderful, powerful pieces of your will, Lord Jesus, to strengthen us, God, when we feel weak, to strengthen us, God when our faith is a little depleted to strengthen us God when we when we care more about the the temperature oh Lord Jesus of our uh, of our social climate than we do uh, our spiritual climate Lord Jesus hallelujah oh Lord Jesus hallelujah I pray, my Father, I pray, Lord God, right now for that wonderful strength that comes from your will. Your will is to strengthen me, Lord Jesus, and I accept it. I receive it. I give you praise for it. I'm grateful for it. Your will, oh God, is to help me, Lord Jesus. It's to help me, Lord. Some days, God, I need help just to put my shoes on, Lord Jesus. But, Father, some days I need help, oh God, to see further than my nose, Lord. And I pray, oh God, for that help. Lord Jesus that is definitely your will oh God I pray for that will to be done in our lives Jesus in my life Jesus hallelujah and father you said your will was to uphold me oh God with your right hand of righteousness Lord Jesus hallelujah hallelujah oh God we don't have to uh, think about uh, letting down any righteousness or any holiness God we don't have to think about throwing away holiness God we don't have to think about the oppression oh God of the world trying to steal our our victory and steal our standard and steal our holiness and and our wonderful flag that we wave Lord Jesus as the light of the world we don't have to worry God because you said your will is to uphold us God and we declare your will Jesus to be active in our lives hallelujah be active in our church Lord be active in our community Lord Jesus we pray for your will to be active, O oh God, in our county. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, you, you declared it very clearly that anyone who speaks against us will end up ashamed and confounded. They'll end up as nothing and they'll strive and, and they'll perish in their striving against us, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I pray, God, that you give us the faith, Lord Jesus, that we need to pray this every day, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we 
do not need to fear God. We do not need to be dismayed. Your will is to strengthen us, to help us, and to uphold us, God, in righteousness, Lord Jesus. And I thank you. I thank you. I declare it, Lord Jesus, over my soul. I declare it, Lord Jesus, and cover this church with it. I cover La Crosse County with it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And I praise you, my Father. I praise you, my Father. I praise you, my King. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus.